Good morning. Good, morning. good morning. It is good to gather. It is good to be here. It is good to be with God's people in his house. Just a few announcements as we begin. Um, Wellspring of Greenbrier in Rupert, West Virginia, is looking for volunteers to work their family shoe days, which is a free giveaway to those in need. The dates are June 22nd, 23rd, or 24th, and the times would be between 11 and 4 each of those three days. Um, and so if you are interested and able in helping, please either let Linda Moore know or call Wellspring directly. And so those dates are June 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Um, excuse me, speaking of helping out in the community, I would like to say thank you to everybody who helped out with the uh, uh, food pantry this weekend. And that uh, is always good when we have opportunity to, to serve the community in that way. Also, on July 4th, we are having a picnic at the Crohn's, and so uh, it's a, there's a sign-up sheet out on the bulletin board in the entryway, uh, and so please sign up for that. We need to know who's coming and what you're bringing, more importantly, what you're bringing. Um, no, just kidding. Yeah, and no, they will have, they will have uh, food as well. They have, what, hot dogs and hamburgers, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so... Please plan on that. It's been a while since we've been able to gather and to fellowship, and so it'll be a good time to, to get together and have a picnic as a church family. Um, Bible study will meet tonight at 6. We are in the chapter on the confession on the law of God. Um, and uh, elders, we are scheduled to meet next Monday, a week from tomorrow. Are there any other announcements? Betty. Thank you very much. I knew I was forgetting something. The sign-up sheet for the parking shifts for State Fair, that's two weeks from, or two months from yesterday it begins, so, or from Friday, whatever today is. It's been a long month this day, this week, so, um, uh, we'll, uh, yeah, so anyway, the fair's about two months away, so please consider how you can help us with parking. Um, and also thank you to the deacons. We, I don't know if you noticed, we have new gravel out between the road and the front of the church. So thank you for the deacons for arranging that. Is there anything else? Well, if not, our order of service, our, our bulletin, uh, our call to worship is in there. And it is a responsive reading, which comes from Psalm 69. And so hear God as he calls us into his presence. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hoofs. The poor will see and be glad. 
You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. Let us pray. O great and mighty Lord, we we ask that you would be pleased with our singing and with our worship today. We know that you are more pleased and honored by a broken and contrite heart than with outwardly correct worship alone. Yet we are each here today at your call and according to your mercy. Help us to worship you with the humble heart that you require. And remind us that it is through the person and work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we can worship you in a way that truly honors and truly glorifies you. And Lord, we are here today to worship and we do worship through our prayers, specifically the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now take Bible songs, that green book there in the pew before you, and turn to number 140. As we have prayed to God, both through Psalm 69 and through the Lord's Prayer, we can know that God hears and that God answers. And so let us stand and sing Bible song number 140 and proclaim our anticipation of answered prayer. Please stand. Please be seated. As we live our lives, as we seek to be holy as God is holy, oftentimes we fail, we fall, and we sin. And it is good to begin the process of repentance through confession of sin, 
So let us join together today and confess our sins. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct that we shall be so that we may delight in your will, walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. So as you do consider your sins, lift up your heads and hear this assurance that John gives to us. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul's first letter to the church there in Thessalonica, comes from the section of the book that is his final instructions to them as we read these words from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encouraging the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, and make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. And may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but those words of our Lord do stand forever. Now is the time in our service where we consider how we worship God through the giving of our tithes and offerings. God gives, and he calls us to return as an act of worship, a portion of what he has given to us. So we have a basket here in the front. We have an offering plate on the way out the door, or you can mail in your tithes and offerings. Let us take some time now to prayerfully consider how we may worship God through what we give. God and Father above, we do lift all glory and praise and honor to you. Triune God, we thank you for all that you give to us, whether it be in the providence of material needs and material blessings or the providence of salvation. We thank you for what you have given. And even though what we return is a meager portion, it is, it is a drop in the bucket, less than a drop in the bucket compared to what you own in the, th- the cattle on a thousand hills. We give it as an act of worship. We give it as an act of praise. And so may you be glorified. May you be praised by what we have given. 
And may you bless us by using it to grow your kingdom in our community. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your hymn book, the maroon book there before you, and turn to hymn number 253. How I love thy law, O Lord. As the psalmist in Psalm 119 wrote those, those, that long section of the scripture, every now and then he, he wails and laments the difficulties of life, and then he finds comfort in the love of the law, even in the midst of the difficulties of life. So let us remain standing and remind ourselves of that truth as we sing hymn number 253, How I Love Thy Law, O Lord. seated. How good it is to have truth and how good it is to be able to profess the truth that we believe in summary statements like confessions and creeds. In the creed we have before us today, the Apostles' Creed developed early in the history of the church and has been for generations and will be until the Lord returns a summary of the truth that brings us hope. So Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We do have some prayer updates today. Um, the family of Derek, or not the family of, Derek Morgan himself, excuse me, um, has been battling with COVID and is, is having a pretty tough time of it, so please be in prayer for him. Um, also, Cohen, we have some little bit of good news. He's, able to be, he's been able to come home and to, to be with his family. He's still struggling with thyroid issues, um, a blood infection, and the other underlying issues that he's been dealing with all his life. So please continue to pray for Cohen 
and his family. Please continue to pray for Natalie as she has a break from her chemotherapy coming up here soon. So please be in prayer for her. Um, And then we do have a lot of families uh, that have lost um, loved ones. We pray for Rosalie Eli's family as she passed away at uh, Greenberry Healthcare Center, the manor, uh, back June 1st. Uh, We pray for the family of Rochelle Evans, uh, the family of uh, Deanne, or no, I'm sorry, the family of Velma Ward. Can't even read my own writing. Like I said, it's been a long month this week. Um, And the family of Tony Livesey. And then keep Jonathan's sister, Deanne, in your prayers as well. Are there any other updates? I'm sorry? Gay. Yeah, Linda Moore's sister, Gay Foran, as she is um, having issues not only with her Parkinson's, but some other issues as well. Okay. I'm sorry, she has to go to Roanoke, but that's a good place to be. So. Who's that? Kermit. Kermit, yeah. Continue to be in prayer for Kermit as well. We did have Synod this week, um, which is the annual business meeting of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. There were decisions that are made, committees that were formed, so be praying for us as we move forward. I had asked for prayer in the past regarding the retirement uh, situation with the ARP. We've begun the process of fixing that. There's still a couple I's that need to be dotted and T's that need to be crossed for that. So um, just please be in prayer as we move forward, changing the way we do retirement for ministers in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, um, that God would protect ministers and their wives. Um, We had a couple committees formed to look at some theological issues within the church that will have pastoral implications moving forward. So please be in prayer for wisdom regarding that. And then um, our Board of Christian Education Ministries uh, was tasked with uh, winding down over the next year and um, distributing their ministries to other boards and agencies within the denomination just as a means to help save money. So please be in prayer for those ministries as well. Any other prayer requests? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father, I I lift these words to you today. Uh, These words that came uh, from a servant of yours who lived years ago, um, who studied your scripture, and who brought his cares and infirmities to you. And so, Spirit of God, I pray that you help our infirmities. When we are pressed down with loads of sorrow, perplexed and confused, not knowing what to do. When we are slandered and persecuted, make us to feel the weight of the cross. Help us, we pray. If you see in us any wrong thing, any evil desire, any delight that is not your delight, any habit that grieves you, any nest of sin in our hearts, then grant us the kiss of thy forgiveness and teach our feet to walk the way of your commandments. Deliver us from burdensome care and make us happy, holy people. Help us to walk the separated life with a firm and a brave step and to wrestle successfully against the weakness of this world. Teach us to laud, to adore, and to magnify you with the music of heaven. And make us a perfume of praiseful gratitude to thee. Lord, we do not crouch at thy feet as a slave before a tyrant, but we exult before you as children before a father. Give us the power to live as thy children in all our actions and to exercise our rights as children by conquering ourself. Preserve us from the intoxication that comes from prosperity. Sober us when we are glad with a joy that comes not from thee. Lead us safely on to the eternal kingdom, not asking whether the road be rough or smooth, 
We only request to see the face of the one that we love. To be content with the bread that you have given us to eat. And with the clothing that you have put on us. And Lord, help us to be content as we enter your house of peace. I do also lift before you these many requests that we have. Lord, it has been a rough week for loss and for grief. As we think of the Evans family, as we think of the Eli family, the the Ward family and the family of Tony Livesey, we ask that you fill them with your comfort and with your peace. Draw them to your altar to find hope, to find comfort, to find grace in the midst of loss. To find the hope that is ours today through the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To find the comfort that comes through knowing that death and pain and misery have been defeated. We lift up Derek Morgan and Cohen Bramley and Natalie Wade and Kermit Moore and Gay Foran. And we ask that you would meet each of them with your healing. We have so many examples in your scriptures of where you have met people with the power of healing. We know that you can. And we know that you will work in each of these lives according to your glory and your honor. Strengthen them. Heal them. Strengthen those who care for them so that they might walk humbly and in a holy way before you. We pray for Deanne and ask that you would meet her in her family situation. You are a God of love and reconciliation. And and when things seem hopeless in relationships, you are the one place that we can go to and know that you can bring reconciliation, that you can bring healing between people. And so fill her family with your reconciliation And with your healing. And as Jonathan and his family have opportunities to speak your words of grace, your words of love, your words of forgiveness into that situation, we ask that you give them the words as you have promised. You told your disciples that they had had teaching at your feet and the Holy Spirit would bring the right words to their lips when necessary. And so, Lord, as Jonathan and his family and and other Christians have opportunity to speak into this situation, give them the Holy Spirit to give them the words to speak. Lord, we pray for our government. You raise up all governments. Sometimes we are happy with the governments you raise up. Sometimes we are not. And we must confess that we speak evil against rulers that you have raised up. And Lord, we do pray for our government, our our president, our judges, our congressmen and senators, our state representatives, our state senators, all the government officials that you have raised up to these places. We pray that you give them wisdom. May they not be there to judge us, but may they be there to protect us and to give us a foundation of peace whereby we may worship you freely and without fear. We pray for our military and ask that you be with them and protect them. For our military chaplains as they seek to preach your gospel into a situation where men are broken by the things that they have had to do as soldiers, where women are sometimes in danger, not only from our enemies, but on our own basis. And so, Lord, as these chaplains speak your truth into those areas, change the hearts, change the minds, and bring healing to our soldiers. Lord, we lift up to you this church and ask that you would strengthen us, that you would embolden us, and that you would remind us of the glory of reconciliation with you so that we might proclaim that message to a world that is lost. Lord, it is good that you have given us each other to lift up and to encourage, but sometimes we forget that not only have you given us each other, 
but you've given us our neighborhoods, the streets on which we live, the communities in which we work and in which we play. You have given us those to minister to as well. And so help us to minister in a way that lovingly presents your truth and is lovingly uncompromising when it comes to that truth. The truth that you are sovereign, the truth that you are God, and there is no God beside you. Lord, we love you. We could only say that because your son gave his life. He lived, he died, he was raised again and serves on our behalf now in the heavenly realms. And by that, we know that you love us. We also know that because you have given us the spirit to regenerate us, to apply the work of redemption that the son accomplished. The spirit has applied it to our lives so that we might love you in return. And so it is to you that we bring these requests. It is in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we say, amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, and we will, and it, I know it says 1 through 9 there in your bulletin, but we will, we will re- just read verse 8 um, as we look at this particular passage. Uh, the Israelites have made it through their 40 years in the desert. They have gotten to the Jordan River, ready to cross into the promised land. Moses has given the law and the covenant for the second time. He has gone up to the top of Mount uh, uh, Mount uh, Pisgah and has died and Joshua has being commissioned by God to lead the Israelites the rest of the way uh, into the promised land and to conquer it and to give it to them through Joshua's leadership as he promised to do. And we hear these words in the midst of his commissioning in Joshua chapter one, verse eight. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Let us pray. O faithful and mighty God, you have revealed yourself to us in your world and in your word. As we open your word today, remind us that you are the sovereign creator king And we are called to walk according to your will. By the power of the word and the spirit, continue to renew us and make us more and more in the likeness of Jesus day by day. And it is in his precious name, our Lord and Savior, that we do pray. Amen. Over the last several months, I have been sending out uh, prayer guides on the last Thursday of each month. And the, the elders and I sat down earlier this year and, and talked about revival, and this is usually reflected in the prayer guides, that revival is the extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit through the ordinary work of the church. And one of the, one of the ordinary works of the church is prayer. And so the session and I decided that it would be good for us to dedicate at minimum one day a month to specifically praying for the church. But prayer is not something that we just do one day of the month. As we read in our scripture reading from 1 Thessalonians 5 earlier, we are to pray without ceasing. And there's argument as to whether that's you know, directed to me as an individual or directed to the church to be about the business as the church at whole. Um, as prayer. And the only thing I will say about that when I'm asked the question, is this to me individually or to the church as a whole? I will give you the answer. Yes. Good. Somebody knows me and knows the scripture. But the question is, how do we pray? Oftentimes we labor to figure out how to pray to God and, and what to say. And while we know that the spirit groans on our behalf, and, and, and Jesus fills our prayers with his righteousness, we do know that we still need to pray. So today I want to look at prayer as a conversation, specifically as a conversation with a king, 
to look at how we converse with that king and then some practical helps to lead us in the right direction. First off, prayer is a conversation with a king. Now, when we think of prayer, we don't typically think of the word conversation because prayer in our mind is typically seems to be one sided. And when we think of conversation, we think of two people sitting across a table, maybe with a cup of coffee or a, a soda or a glass of water, talking back and forth. And, and prayer in our minds, the way we typically do it, leads us to think that it's merely a one-sided listing of requests. But prayer is truly a conversation. And we'll see how God speaks to us here in a few minutes. But Prayer is a conversation where God speaks and we respond. Now, we need to realize when God speaks that he doesn't speak to us as equals, but as a king addressing his subject. In Malachi, God comes to the Israelites and he says, you know what, I've loved you and you've not appreciated it. And the the Israelites look at him as sarcastic and sneering and say, well, how have you shown your love to us? Well, I kept my promises to you. I have restored you from exile and I have punished the Edomites. And he says, not only have you forgotten that I love you, but you have treated me poorly in worship. And they're like, we bring you all the sacrifices you ask for. How have we treated you poorly in worship? And he says, well, because instead of the first fruits, you bring me the blemished and the sick and the dying. Israelites saw God merely as a God, one God among many others, or as an equal who could be worshipped as they saw fit. And oftentimes we treat prayer that way. We look at God and we look at our day and we say, God, I've got three minutes between taking the kids to soccer practice and music lessons. You can have two and a half of them. You'll have to be satisfied with that. God does not appreciate that attitude. If we look at Genesis chapter 3 or Exodus chapter 3, excuse me, we see how Moses responds to God when Moses is called to converse with God. Verses 1 through 6 say, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, Moses called, or God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Imagine yourself tending your sheep, walking through the desert, walking up the mountain, and you see a fire just kind of right over there. And as you look at this dry bush that you're expecting to just poof and be gone, you notice that the fire just continues. And so Moses, in his curiosity, much like we would do, walks over to check it out, check it out. And God greets him. Can you imagine that? You're expecting smoke and fire and flame and you get God. And God says, look, you're not holy enough to approach me. Take your shoes off. Now, did taking his shoes off deal with Moses's unholy problem? Not fully, but God in his grace allowed that to be enough for him to come just a little bit closer. And God responds with and, and, and calls out to him, I am the God that you are called to worship. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who 400 years ago promised to them that I would restore them, that I would bring them and their family safely back to the promised land. And how, what did Moses respond? Oh, hey, how you doing? No, he fell on his face and worshiped. Now, is that the way that we approach God in prayer? 
I'm not suggesting that we need to be barefoot. But what does our hard attitude say about what we think about God when we pray? Do we approach God as if we are approaching the creator of the universe? Do we approach God as the one who just by the mere power of his words spoke all things into existence? When we pray, do we hold things back from God because we don't truly believe he can handle our problems? When we pray, we need to realize that the all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present God is there listening to us, calling us to rest in him, calling us to trust in him. And while this is conversation with the sovereign creator, God King, for those who are adopted as sons and daughters of God, that God King is also our father. And yet as our father, he calls us to come before him in a reverent and worshipful way. Think about any time in scripture. A man or a woman comes face to face with either the angel of the Lord, who is most likely a physical representation of God himself or God himself in a vision. Every single time we find them falling flat on their face in reverence, in awe and in worship. I come before that same God yawning, hoping the coffee will kick in, worried about what's going to happen later on in the day totally not even concerned with his glory and his holiness and his majesty and his power, all those things that he is that should lead me to fall. Yes, sometimes literally upon my face and saying, oh, holy God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. But oftentimes our heart attitudes in prayer are just, hey, how you doing? I got a couple things I need you to take care of. If you can, great. If not, well, I was planning on handling them anyway. Thanks for being here. Amen. Our prayers are to be conversations with a king. But how do we converse with a king? It's not like quite like sitting, as I mentioned earlier, at a table with a friend over a cup of coffee, talking about the weather, talking about our families. Or more accurately, the question could be asked, how is it a two-sided conversation? I know I talk a lot. And I talk a lot in prayer. But how is it a two-sided conversation? Have I ever heard God speak to me? Why do you think pastors and Sunday school teachers and mature Christians, when they talk about prayer, always smash Bible reading together with prayer? Is it because we can have a more efficient use of our time if we read and pray together? No, it's because God speaks to us through the scriptures. David Mathis says prayer is a conversation, but not one that we start. God speaks to us first and his verse, his voice sounds in the scriptures. Justin Peters puts it this way. He says, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible If you want to hear God speak out loud, read your Bible out loud. We don't consider that God speaks to us through his word. He the Holy Spirit worked through men throughout generations to write down words that God had for them and had for us. And we read it sometimes not even paying as much attention as we would to a a work of fiction or something or the newspaper sometimes not mutually exclusive, the work of fiction in the newspaper. Sorry, I'll stop. (laughs) But it is in the scriptures that God tells us his promises. It is in the scriptures that God reveals to us his law. It is in the scriptures that God tells us of his redemption. We are able to repent and confess because God reveals how how we are to live and to think. And he reveals that in his word. We pray for healing because God tells us in his word that he is the God who heals. We pray for comfort in affliction because God says that he comforts the afflicted in his word. 
The Holy Spirit works through this word as we sit and as we read and as we study and as we'll see here in a few minutes as we meditate. The Holy Spirit works through God's word to shine his light, to give us his words, to speak to us. And when God speaks to us as the king, he expects a response. We call that response prayer. Sometimes it's the prayer of repentance. God shows us an area of his laws where we fall short. And he calls us to confess. He calls us to turn away from that sin and to turn to him. That's repentance. It's turning away from sin and turning toward God. It's turning away from our own will and our own glory and turning toward seeking his will and his glory. And we know where to turn because God speaks to us in his word. We pray for healing with the hope that God will do that very thing because we know that he reveals in his word that he is a God who wants to heal. Jesus opens up his ministry according to Luke in the synagogue. He reads a passage from Isaiah 61 that says, I will bring healing to the sick, rescue to the oppressed, prosperity to the poor. Today, these words are fulfilled in your presence. We pray for those things because God has fulfilled them through his power, through his son and through the spirit. And as we read the scriptures, God, God's spirit shows us how we are to respond to God, to the king. Whether it's worship, whether it's penitence, whether it's supplication or thanksgiving or gratitude, we are shown how to converse with the king in his words. So how do we use God's word as the springboard for this conversation between God and us? One of the keys to hearing God speak to us through his word is called meditation. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, some Eastern spiritual uh, practice where we just sit there and we have this mantra syllable that we just repeat to ourselves over and over and over again until distractions are drained away and we are one with the whatever. That's not the meditation I'm talking about. And the word translated meditate in scriptures is a cow word. It's the way cows eat. Cow will go over and grab a clump of grass. And they'll chew on it. And they'll chew on it. And they'll chew on it. And they'll swallow it. And they'll go grab another clump of grass. Clump of grass and they'll bring the first one back up. It's kind of a... A little bit gross analogy there, but they'll bring it up and they'll chew it with the one that they just got and they'll just chew it over and over, swallowing and bringing it back up over and over until they get everything out of it that they can. And then they'll move on to the next few clumps of grass and they'll continue to put all these together. That's what we're talking about with meditation. No, I don't mean go out and eat a bunch of grass. But read the scripture, memorize parts of it, And think about it throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your month. Ruminate on it, which is the literal word that the cow that we use to describe the cow's eating process is that rumination. I I expect goats do it the same way. I'm not sure. But this rumination of just chewing over and over and over again on the word of God, internalizing it, making it part of ourselves and, and, and giving the Holy Spirit something to work with when he brings words to our lips and to our mouths. The Puritans were big on meditation and they gave us seven helps for this. The first help is to pray for power to focus your mind on the word of, on the word of God. Isn't it interesting that the first help that helps us to learn to pray is to actually pray? for God's help to help us pray. You know, before you sit down to read your word, ask God, as John Piper says, John Piper talks, does every morning before his Bible reading, he does his IOUs. He prays that you incline my heart to you, O God. He prays that open my heart to you, O God. Unite my heart to you, O God. And satisfy my heart in you, O God. You don't even have to be that Complex. You can just say, Lord, show me yourself. Speak to me today in your word. Show me what you would have me to know. 
Secondly, after you pray that God shows you himself in his word, actually read the word and select a verse or two from your reading that day. Thirdly, repeat those verses to yourself in order to memorize them. Now, you can memorize something um, just by brute force, which is just reading something over and over and over and over and over again until it sticks. But the more of your senses that you can engage in the process, the, the quicker and the easier and the longer it sticks. So not only read it, but write it. And as you write it, say it. They say as well that sometimes you can take a, like an essential oil or some type of uh, aroma that you like as you're memorizing something. And when you smell that again, it'll bring it back into your mind. But do something to repeat these to yourself to memorize them. So we're, we're, we're praying, we're reading, we're memorizing, and then we're thinking. Ask yourself some questions. What do these verses that I am memorizing mean? What do other similar scriptures say about it? How do these verses provide doctrine and reproof and correction and training? And how does this truth appear as you have experienced life in the world? Fifthly, preach the verses to yourself. Maybe you learned something. The following verse uh, in verse nine in Joshua chapter one talks about God forever being with Joshua being his strength, being his might, which is a result of Joshua meditating on the law of the Lord. Preach those promises to yourself. Remind yourself constantly that God is working in your life. Sixthly, apply or obey the truths. Maybe one of the verses that you've been ruminating on convicts you of an area in your life where you fall short of God's glory. If you truly want to internalize that, begin to obey where you disobey. Begin to apply. And that will help to internalize and help this process of meditation. And seventh, conclude where you started with prayer and with worship. And, and this process is not going to be an easy process if it's not something you're used to. It, it's going to take time to work this habit out. It's going to take time each day. If you are that person that squeezes, you know, two and a half minutes for God into your day in between other appointments, you're going to have to carve out time somewhere else. Not to toot my own horn because I am still a night owl. But I had to carve out <clears throat> when the children were, were younger and at home and taking up a lot more time, I actually had to start forcing myself to get up early in the morning so that I had quiet in order to be able to do some of these things. Um, now, getting up earlier as a night owl means that sometimes it doesn't happen until the coffee kicks in. Um, but... You know, you might have to do things like that in order to provide time for yourself. But find some way to work through this process of praying to focus, of reading and choosing Bible verses, of memorizing them, of thinking about what they mean by, by preaching them and the glories of those truths to yourselves, by obeying them and by, by concluding with prayer and worship to God. The prayer that I prayed this morning, at least the first portion of it, came from a book called Valley of Vision. It was their prayer on weakness. And I bring this up because we've looked at these seven steps that the Puritans have provided for us to go through and to learn to pray as a response to Scripture. Well, that's, that's pretty much what Valley of Vision is. It's the Puritans with a, with a couple hundred prayers based on their study of Scripture, based on their memorization of Scripture, based on how they have applied Scripture to themselves and how we can apply Scripture to ourselves. And so I encourage you, they have this nice bonded leather version, which you know looks really sleek and, and, and nice. They also have a paperback version. Um, but uh, I would highly encourage you to pick up a copy of the Valley of Vision and learn from the Puritans and how they took this seven-step seven process 
and wrote down their prayers for us um, to read and to study. So prayer is a conversation with a king. We also looked at how we do converse with a king and hear him speak to us through the scriptures. And we've looked at some practical helps. And as I mentioned earlier, this will not be an easy process if it's not something you're used to. Joel Beakey says that if this is a new habit to you, it's going to be like taking a piece of wood that has been stuck at the bottom of a swamp for years, pulling it out and trying to light it as a fire to start a fire. But he also says something else. He said, you know, if you keep the flame on that piece of wood long enough, it will dry out and it will catch and it will burn. And so there will be some diligence at the beginning if this is a new habit for you. There will be the diligence of maybe getting up earlier or staying up later. There will be the diligence of actually memorizing. You can still memorize. You may not think you can. It may be more difficult, but you can still memorize. Maybe the process of asking those questions and applying them is going to be haltering, halting and, and, and fumbling at times. But as you practice it more, you will get help. As you use other resources to, to help you understand, you will get help. And then we hit the obedience portion. That's really tough sometimes to see an area of our life where we are so comfortable in our rut of disobedience that sometimes God has to jar us out of that rut. That's going to be really hard and really uncomfortable. But I will tell you, once this, once this process takes hold, there is the flame that begins to burn. And just like that bush that Moses saw, it is a flame that as long as you continue the process, it will continue to burn. And it will burn more brightly the day we see him face to face and can truly converse with our king. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you that you speak to us. Forgive us for not listening. Forgive us for not even reading at times. But thank you for this. Help us to develop this this practice of praying, of memorizing, of meditating and ruminating on your word so that we can be changed, so that we can find the hope and the peace and the trust in you that oftentimes we desperately want. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please take the hymnal and turn to hymn number 368. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Our hope for hearing our prayers heard is the same foundation, Jesus' blood and righteousness. So let us stand and affirm our trust in our God by singing hymn 368.
as you go this week seeking how and where to serve, take this blessing upon you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And as we walk this earth, as we wait anxiously for our Lord and Savior, we cry out, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.